0: Hey, Christine. Hey, Gia. So, what comes to mind for you when I say the phrase diet culture? Control. There's a face.
1: Mm -hmm. Control. Restriction. Binging. Wasted youth. (laughs) Being bad. Being good. Mm -hmm. Feeling fat. Disordered eating. Perfection. Insidious basically being on a roller coaster and as christy harrison author of anti-diet says life thief and we're going to talk about that today on two fat girls one mike i'm gia and i'm a fat girl and i'm christine and i'm i'm back to being a reluctant fat girl that's okay that's okay it can it can waver back and forth being reluctant it really does
0: it's three
1: letters, so, it's okay. So that's where we're at today, everyone. And we really want to welcome you to the show today. And I want to kind of give a little overview that this is going to be a lot of stuff you've probably never heard about that I've learned through my journey with getting out and escaping diet culture. <laughs> so I'm kind of like wanting to do this episode a la Maintenance Phase, which is one of my favorite podcasts. If you don't know it, I'm going to recommend. It's a podcast where Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs debunk diets. So Aubrey Gordon is used to be a person named your fat friend on social media. And then she came out to be, you know, her actual name. (laughs) And uh, we have those. (laughs) And now she has a documentary that just premiered at um, Tribeca, by the way, which is. Yeah. So that I can't wait to see that. And it's called Your Fat Friend. So anyway, we're going to be talking about diet culture today. And we're not going to be talking about things like um, traditionally that you would know about diet culture, like um, taking a before and after photo (laughs) or logging your calories. We're going to get into that. But really, this is like why it is complete and utter bullshit. So,
0: And I'm going to be learning right along with people because I'm not really, you know, I've said it in our first episode. I think I've been very fortunate in my life to not struggle too much with disordered eating. Um, and so, and I also just never really went on a lot of diets. Like I just, I, I'm Italian. I like food. Um, And I just, it was never anything that I super, super focused on. And because of that, I'm not too educated on it like Christina's. So I'm looking forward to it. We will be learning
1: together today. And I'm, I'm glad that you don't know about it because <laughs> <laughs> it's really stolen a lot of my mm-hmm. life. <laughs> So basically, um, she's going in cold here, people, and I'm just gonna like put some magic to work. So she's just gonna
0: throw info at me, and I am. I'm just I'm just here for the vibes and her lovely, lovely voice.
1: Okay, so let me let me start with saying, okay, I'm gonna be referencing a book. This is the book for Gia. It's called Anti Diet. Delightful. Um. It's by Christy Harrison. Christy Harrison's actually, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She's unique because she was much like Gia where she didn't partake in any kind of diet culture for years. She became a journalist. And then randomly in her adult life, she began to kind of diet and then get caught in it and then turned into a food writer that then went to school to be an RD, a registered dietitian. So it really like it really moved her through a different trajectory, but now she's doing um, this book. She has a new book out called the wellness trap, which I have, but I did not read yet, but she has two podcasts about both of these things. So it's just, she was one of those people that was really instrumental in me starting to like get out of this. So I thought it would be good to just like stick to some of her points. Um, I actually, she, her book is very good. I do. Everybody should read it. It's called the anti-diet again. She gives not only a pathway for navigating diet culture, but also an overview of how we got here. (laughs) And it's actually very interesting, the history. So I think that first we need to define what is diet culture. And I like the definition that she uses in her book. She says that diet culture is a system of beliefs that equates thinness, muscularity, and particular body shapes with health and moral virtue, promotes weight loss and body reshaping as a means of attaining a higher status demonizes certain foods and food groups while elevating others and oppresses people who don't match its supposed picture of quote unquote health by and large western culture is diet culture Mm -hmm. Gia what do you think of that what do you think of that definition that's so true
0: Mm -hmm. especially when you said because to me yeah it's like we've always equated health with being thin that's a big one to me Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, growing up, I was more active. I could, I will never forget, like, growing up, this will always stick in my head, of one of my really good friends. She'd get on the bus every morning and say, I had cake for breakfast. And I would get so sad because I'd be like, I could never do that. I could never have cake for breakfast because I'm fat. Now, was she healthier than me? Absolutely not. Like, she actually, probably her insides looked really scary, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) like, in my mind, I, it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't afford myself that pleasure because I was fat, and also, yeah, we, we really do demonize certain food groups, and it's funny how, even now, like, I, you know, at work, I work with a, a lot of people, like, my job has a lot of employees, and so it's just a lot of different personalities, and you observe, you know, I bring my lunch every day. I probably buy my lunch maybe once a week. But in my workplace, I've observed how people go through their little eating fads and diet fads and how they never last. Because mm-hmm. it's never rooted in any place other than achieving an aesthetic result. And I've gotten more vocal about it, like with people who are like, I can't eat bread. Um or I can only eat salads. And I, I'll just be like, yeah, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, truly, and, again, I, I will always, the, the, the other thing this made me think of is about, like, muscularity. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I started doing CrossFit um, the first time, uh, my CrossFit coach, who's also a family member of mine, She sat us down and said, you have about 45 minutes to eat after your class or your workout didn't do anything because your body, after you work out, you have to replenish your body so that it can build those muscles. And so many people like, and I was like, the fact that this woman who is in my eyes, physical perfection is telling me, no, you actually have to eat after you work out. Uh, otherwise your workout didn't do shit and your body's going to start uh, storing fat because it's going to think that it's starving and dying. Yes. Um so that's just something that no one thinks about and it's so fucked and like how did we get here? Anywho, tell
1: me more. Yes, Christine. yes, and tell I love me more. I love that you just said that too because we're going <laughs> to what she said is true. We're bouncing off. Yeah. We're about to talk about it. Um so Research shows this is this fact that I'm going to tell you was the first thing that like fully blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Research shows that more than 95% of diets fail. Intentional weight loss efforts do not work. And yet we're bowing down to this billion dollar industry that can't deliver what it's what it's promised us. So it makes us as a consumer feel like shit because we're thinking we're following a diet and it's supposed to work. And then it doesn't work, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's never, it wasn't going to work long term. So anyway, diet culture um, has this direct control, has us, I'm sorry, diet culture has led us to believe that we have a direct control over the size and shape of our bodies, which is not the case. And I want to talk about a a study that was done in 1959. This is one of the more modern studies done um, that studied like weight loss and dieting. Um, this psychiatrist, he was known as the destigmatizer of weight um, because he was kind of working on just weight loss and trying to figure it out, which is what led him to start looking at the studies because it wasn't working for his people. Um, He proved that over 95% of diets don't work by looking through a bunch of studies, realizing that a lot of them were junk because there was a lot of methodological flaws such as failing to report on the duration of treatment or showing very short treatment times. So the studies did make it look like weight loss worked in the short term, which it does work in the short term. But it was the proving it long term. That was not a thing like nobody could prove it long term. And honestly, this is what we're talking about today. Nobody can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this doctor ends up focusing on he found eight studies that met his, like the scientific standards of evidence. And it showed that not only was it. Rare for people to achieve any significant weight loss, but also that it was more common for people to regain most or all of the weight they'd lost than it was to keep it off. So he partnered with a dietitian to do a like treatment plan to see, like, an, as another form of like this study to take taking like what he learned to the next level. So he paired up with his dietitian. Her name was Mavis McLaren Hume. Where they had a hundred participants who they set up with weight loss counseling. So the first appointment was where they were told to restrict calories. They had follow-ups and two and a half years later, they weighed them all to start getting the data of the hundred participants. Only 12 had lost significant weight at any point (sighs) during the study. (laughs) And only two of those were maintaining that loss after two years of treatment. The rest had returned to their starting weight, or we're steadily creeping back there. And additionally, 39 people dropped out. (laughs) So with all of that data, (laughs) they're like, I'm out. I'm done. (laughs) So with all of that data and from that, he learned that that equated to 98% failure rate Mm -hmm. after two years. So I'm going to say, talk about one more thing before I ask your opinion, Gia, because I want to say this one as well, (laughs) because then we're getting close. So getting closer into more modern day times. Um, even though I think this is still before you were, you were born. Um, in 1992, the National Institutes of Health panel found that after completing weight loss programs, 90 to 95% of people generally regain as much as two thirds of the weight they lost within one year, and almost all within five years. So, despite decades of supposed advances in weight management, the human body remained stubbornly resistant to sustained intentional weight loss. At this time, NIH also made the point that Americans were fatter than they had ever been even after like, even after the 1960s where that was the last time it was studied despite a huge percentage of people on diets are trying to maintain a certain weight. So how do you feel about, how do you feel about that? Like, what are you thinking about that kind of information?
0: It just makes me sad, bro. Like it makes me, the first thing that comes to mind is like, the amount of time and energy we spend thinking about our bodies and how to control our bodies, so mm-hmm. much so that we're not in the moment, we're not present. Um, and it's just, yeah, it doesn't work. And to what end, to what end, if 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 none of these things actually work, and then if you're not also doing kind of the mental work, too, yes, um. You know something that happened when I was in college, because um, I, I touched on this in the first episode, uh, where I went to showcase, and the girl I shared my room with brought a scale, mm. and was very act- like, I, you know, m- my mom's a therapist. Like I, I know I'm a little bit more emotionally aware than the average person my age, but to me, it was clear that this girl had an eating disorder that my professors were willfully ignoring um and their solutions were to ban her from going to the school gym <laughs> and like they limited her access to the gym uh but keep in mind simultaneously shaming everyone too exactly you know <laughs> and so their solution the following year cuz my um my boyfriend at the time was a year younger than me and he was in the showcase the following year and they hired uh nutritionist
1: for for the people in showcase just and the people in the showcase
0: yeah well for the department i don't really know i think what time for of, the
1: department what time of year did when was the showcase and when did they hire the nutritionist just wondering well the showcase was like in the end of the school year and mm-hmm. so for the following school year after that girl had graduated
0: okay they hired the nutritionist and the first words out of my mouth when I found out, I was like, that's not going to work. They need to hire a therapist. Like, they yeah. need to hire. Because if you're not doing the mental... Like, you can do all the physical lifting you want, but if you're not doing the mental lifting as well that led you to go on this journey in the first place of weight loss, it's never going to stick. It's never, you know... And I think that's a big reason why I personally have never... F- fluctuated in weight like I've stayed more or less the same my whole life now bodies slow down as they age so I've I think I've like steadily crept up to a size 16 since I've been in high school but more or less I've stayed the same and it's because I've never had the goal of wanting to be like my my reasoning for working out has clearly has just become to be strong. And that doesn't mean I don't want like aesthetics. I would like a more apple booty, you know, but mm-hmm. mainly so I can check it out in the mirror. Not because, <laughs> not because I don't think I'm okay as I am now. And I think that's the difference. It's like self-improvement is great, but you have to be able to self-improve from something already. You can't self-improve from nothing. And I think that goes across the board. That if you have nothing to build from on whatever journey you're going on with your body, it's never going to stick because you have to start from a place of neutrality. I think with Definitely. where you're at. Does that does that answer yes. your question on
1: how I feel? <laughs> yes. And if and if you're only and and if you're only thinking aesthetically, mm-hmm. you know that's where people have this downfall where they fall into this because, you know, you, you think that you have this control that is, it's fake. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not there. A funny thing that I actually, this, this thing made me laugh. Um, When I did the 23 andMe, me, it, I did it with like the, the health markers so I could find out, you know, what am I going to die of? You know,
0: <laughs> or whatever.
1: Jesus. I don't even know that. Just okay, take okay me out when you're going to take me out. No, no, Listen. No, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, one of the, it says a lot of funny stuff in, in that it says, like, oh, you, you uh, mosquitoes usually get bit more. And that was true about me. <laughs> but it said that I am in a smaller body like I I should have a smaller body basically like Mm -hmm. my weight is is usually a little bit on the lower end as where it should be per my genetics so (laughs) that is why it's really funny that we think we have control but when we actually the control we have is the opposite of what we think we have what Mm -hmm. it's going to do is make us bigger so um, let me hop back into a little bit of you know studies. But there is a psychology professor at the University of Minnesota. Her name is Tracy Mann. She wrote a book. I didn't read this book, but it's called Secrets from the Eating Lab, which was her talking about how diets don't work. So she says this about being on a diet or weight loss program. She says, you can assume that the first six to 12 months are the weight coming off part. And -hmm. then after that is the weight coming on part. And she ended up doing um, her own review with her team where they gathered every prior study in 2007 that followed people on weight loss programs for two to five years and analyzed the results. They found across all studies, here we are again, one-third to two-thirds of dieters gained back significantly more weight than they'd lost. A number of these studies showed that dieting consistently predicted future weight gain regardless of a person's body size when they started out the only thing that diets are good at is causing people to gain weight over time people that Mm -hmm. is what we're saying so and this is where i'm at okay like this is literally where um i'm at right now and it's the acceptance that i was duped by all of this it's really hard to like that's why i think it's so hard to accept myself right now in this body because it's like if I had never done this I would have been a size 14 probably 12 or 14 <laughs> and now I'm a 16 going on 18 but like it's um I was calorie counting most of my life like starting in high late high school I started just calorie counting and doing like uh cardio and you know it just kept going like that I would do all the fad diets when I got out of college, it was Atkins and low carb, mm-hmm. which was the worst. So I was doing that. I was doing weight. I dabbled in Weight Watchers for five seconds, and then kept doing the calorie counting. Um, and then I got to a point where I used calorie counting in a way that I would just kind of just do the thing where I didn't really eat dinner. I would eat. I was. I would be working. I was working two jobs, so I was working at Starbucks. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I would eat like a pastry I liked for dinner when I was at work at night, mm-hmm. and then just not eat anymore usually or have a snack when I got home. You know what do I mean?
0: you do the thing? And I mean, I'm 100% guilty of this where you're like, oh, I ate a really, you know, like you try to make up for the day before's quote-unquote bad eating with the next day where you're like, oh, I had a really big dinner last night, so no breakfast for me this morning.
1: I mean, I'm, I used to do shit like that. I've yeah. definitely
0: done that before. I still sometimes I'm like, I struggle with now, as a fat person, that it's okay to listen to my body's like cues. Um, and what's interesting is that I find that like sometimes I'm, I'm not hungry, you know. Yes. Um, you know, I'm not hungry, and that's o- okay too, because it's like the flip side is once you're educated on it, right? Mm-hmm. You try to really stick to a good schedule of like nourishing yourself, but then it's like, well. What if you're not hungry? And then, (laughs) but then also, last night I worked till ten thirty. I came home and I was hungry. Of course, and I had you know, and so it's like, oh, but it's so bad because you know they tell you, oh, if you're going to, don't eat, don't eat within two hours of going to sleep, whatever the fuck that is. Yes, um, but it's so hard that to for me my the recent thing I've been focusing on is like simply just like listening to my body's own cues of when I'm hungry of like when I'm hungry for what, like I've kind of discovered, cause you know, I've tried to do the, Oh, let me try to not eat so much dairy, not eat so much red meat, whatever. And what I've realized is when I've just like, let myself listen to my body I'm I've started doing all that anyways Mm -hmm. like when my body needs iron when it needs red meat I I know and I eat a burger and I'm good and it's funny because by default I have started eating like I guess healthier like eating more plant-based eating just and that's just because I've just been listening to my body instead of you know counting macros and counting uh, how much of each food group I'm getting in a day because it's exhausting and it's I have so much more space in my brain it's it's I'm so tired yeah. and listen like I'm tired I and I'm I can't imagine how tired you are Christine and
1: like <laughs> I, I don't mean that to sound bad uh, I it's not I'm laughing because it's like, true I just want to hold you and I want
0: to like free you and be like, it's okay. It's not too late. You haven't lost any time. Like if anything, like now you're in your super Saiyan form. I know that's another Dragon Ball Z reference. I know, but I know you don't know it, but you should. Um, and <laughs> But it's like, now it's like, I just want you to feel the most free you've ever been as opposed to
1: That you've lost all this time, I guess. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) We're getting there. Well, no, but like, well, I think that before, okay, that's what I want to, like, okay, for me, intuitive eating Mm -hmm. was what broke me out of the chains of diet culture, okay? So before that, I was, my weight gain, after I looked at it, was happening after I was doing these diets, and it was on the fourth, like one was in the fourth year of of losing weight, I started gaining back. One was in the fifth year of losing weight, I started gaining way back. And that was the last one. So it's like I had been on so many binge, restrict, binge, restrict, or restrict, binge actually, restrict, binge, that, you know, my weight over time cycled up, okay? Um, because, and this is the point I want to make, genetics are everything. Mm-hmm. Genetics- are what controls our bodies. Not our uh, me looking in the mirror and seeing my body and saying, "Oh, I need to start eating healthy. I need to stop eating carbs." Like that's not how this works, people. So anyway, just like we can't change our shoe size or our height, and it would be weird to hear people wanting to do that, like especially height. <laughs> we cannot change the shape and size of our bodies. Um, our genetics actually give us something called a set point weight range. Have you ever heard of that before? I have not. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. So this set point weight range is what helps to regulate our system. So the more we try to go lower than the range, our bodies believe we're going into a famine. So AKA dieting (laughs) is Mm -hmm. the famine. And the body doesn't like that at all. So they may raise that range to protect our body, to protect us. So basically our body is doing what it needs to do to keep us alive. And we've been lied to by diet culture and by our society thinking that we have control over our bodies. Really what it does is control us to be pre, especially as women in a a patriarchal society, it is controlling us to have our mind on something that makes doesn't mean anything so Mm -hmm. that we don't, so that we don't advance in fields that men are, you know, in the lead of and that we Ooh. don't do the Ooh. things that we, and this I is like what, that. Yes. And this is what I'm saying. Like, even just myself, I wanted to be, you know, a singer and a theater person and I had all these grand things. And then my thing was always not until I'm thin enough, not yeah. until I'm smaller because I'm once not I get lose anything. weight, I can do that. Yeah, and then
0: and now it's I, I struggle with that in theater, too, because I always thought like once I lose weight, I can play like these like engineer roles. And it's like, now I'm like, now I'm aging out of them. And I spent so much time worrying about, you know, I'm not going to go for it yet. I'm not going to go for it yet. That now I'm like trying to like do a rush job. (laughs) Yeah. Start, you know, being seen for these things that like, I've always been the most passionate about.
1: So, yes, yes. So basically like, we just think we have a lot more control than we have, but we also need the other thing that really helped pull me out of diet culture was the thing about, cause I'm very progressive if people did not realize, um, just being like, yeah, what the fuck? Like getting mad mm-hmm. at the, at, at the society and the culture, like, like, fuck you. I'm a fucking woman and I want to do all yeah. this stuff and I don't have to be thin to do it. It's like, but it's a disease in, in our heads. Basically yeah. it's like a planted thing in our heads that we have to follow this prescribed body size to do anything and it's also like
0: i think so often like because we believe like thinness is the norm and because you know we think if we're fat eating is bad we've we don't allow ourselves to like set personal boundaries at all um, and like, just be like, Hey, like, that's not a cool thing to say just in general conversation, because we've conditioned ourselves with like, Oh, well, that's what it, comes, you know, that's the territory that comes with because you choose to be fat. So you have to take these comments. And like the thing that comes to mind is my, um, my stepfather who I love dearly one time when I was, I was a teenager um, and I don't know why this sticks in my brain so hard, but it does. We were eating dinner, and he just like out of nowhere goes, you eat too fast. And I just kind of like froze, like I genuinely didn't know how to even respond to it. That I just I said nothing. And mm-hmm. I think he was trying to have like it, it was so strange. And, you know, looking back now, I wish. I could have just said, that was a hurtful thing to say. Like, I wish I could have just said, that was a weird thing to say. Why are you watching me eat? Like, I wish I had said anything to observe how like strange that was and how far of a boundary that crossed. Um, because even recently, c- cut to me now, probably about a couple weeks ago, and I was talking to a coworker. And we were talking about anxiety and he was saying something about how on his Apple watch, he can always tell when he's getting anxious. Cause your Apple watch shows you will tell you when your heart rates rising. Right. Oh,
1: shit.
0: um, and I was like, Oh, that's happened to me before. I was like, and I said, cause my heart rates always like in the sixties. Um, and before I could even finish my sentence, he goes, that's really good. And I now normally like me, five years ago 10 years ago would have been like oh thank you but i flipped i said yeah it's really good yeah yeah i said welcome to my life in doctor's offices with doctors thinking i automatically have shit blood pressure and you know (laughs) and he was like whoa that's not what i mean i said i know that's not what you mean i said but i said but you you shouldn't have said that (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he just you know we're still friends we're still cool you know, it didn't burn anything down, me setting about Because you just shouldn't comment about anyone, ever. It's weird. Don't do it.
1: It is anyhow. weird. And also, I feel like this, since you just mentioned that, it's good to mention that. Um, doctors are in on this plot. Too. Okay? yeah. <laughs> um, first off, just so everyone knows, doctors only take one three-credit class in nutrition while they're in school. So... They do not know anything about weight loss because if they did, they would have read these studies and then known the truth, right? And these studies have been around. They are bought in. Like, I I, I'm, I didn't, like, take notes on this one, but in the book, Christy Harrison does explain, like, how the obesity epidemic started, and it was basically, like, <laughs> these doctors that think that, you know, that didn't want to believe these studies. This uh-huh. So they created the obesity epidemic. Um, It's all a ruse. (laughs) It's all complete and utter bullshit. And that's why I think that's why you have to get angry about if you've fallen into it about it. Yeah. Well,
0: and I think it's also like bringing up that again, this is how fat phobia ties into every system of oppression because what's the cheapest food that you can get, you know? And I think there's this idea of our society you want to keep you want to keep the poor fat people you want to keep that stigma going because it's good for this narrative that mm-hmm. you're spinning that you created this problem by you know by all the fast foods by everything right and by making those the only affordable options for low income people mm-hmm. But then you're still going to, you know, low income people who they're already having to work jobs. They're not going to be able to go to the gym every day. And so you're just going to keep you're going to keep that growing. You're going to keep it going and keep the people down, down. Mm-hmm. So you can keep telling the same story without acknowledging how the story started. Anyhow. And also every the, system. Of-
1: <laughs> yes. And also covertly mm-hmm. diet cultures parading, you know, it's like a wolf. What is it? A wolf in sheep's clothes. It's like, I'm saving you. Just do what I tell you. I'm going to save you. You don't give a shit
0: about my health unless my health affects your wallet. That's the bottom line. You don't care about someone's health unless their health affects your wallet. That's it. uh,
1: The (laughs) amount of money my family in general have spent on diet since Mm -hmm. I was a kid. Every fucking fad. Somebody in the family had had it, right? Like, we all kept just buying the shit. Yeah. And it's, like, it's just – it's, like, it never worked. It could never work, but it never worked. And it's, like, that's why by the time I found intuitive eating, I was, like, bitch, this is the – I'm going with this. Like, this sounds Mm -hmm. logical to me. (laughs) Like, this sounds like – it makes sense. And here we are, like, in this age of now Ozempic and these weight loss drugs where (sighs) – we don't need another heroin chic time period. You well, know what I mean? Well, that's something thing
0: too is the fact that the, the body type fads change in mm-hmm. society and society is rushing to keep up with that. So it's just this like constant, you're never good enough, you're never good yes. enough, you're never good enough. You need to have curves and then you need to be skinny. You need to like, it just... Flip flops back and forth so that you never win.
1: And there's always something that you need to spend money on to get any mm-hmm. of these things.
0: Yes, yes, hundred percent. So it's like Ozempic's wild to me, and I just need to tell everyone. I did not know what Ozempic was until I met Christine, <laughs> and she told me about this shit. And I was like, "What is actually happening in the world?" And then I went home to Louisiana, and so many people that I know and grew up with are fucking on it jesus and and one of my mom's coworkers is on it like it's it's everywhere and it's the next quick fix that actually yes. you don't and it's so funny it's so funny to me because it's like the same people who didn't want to get the fucking vaccine because there wasn't enough research into it are taking ozempic for weight loss yes what are those long-term side effects honey I- do you know I can
1: tell you what they're going to be. Tell if you're me, not on the. You,
0: tell us. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. This it, is good. Tell
1: us. <laughs> if you're going to go on that drug, the minute you go off the drug, you're gaining all the weight back and you, plus probably more. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's a suppression. It's like it's suppressing for now. It's suppressing for now. It's like my one of my favorite things I'd ever heard. And I think it was um, bo- um, body image with Brie on Instagram. And I love her. And she talks mm-hmm. so great about body image is when you're trying to lose weight. It's like you're holding a a ball underwater, a beach ball underwater Uh, that you just can't keep it there. Yeah, Your body doesn't want to stay there. It doesn't want to stay there. And so that's what diet like that's what it's like to try to like suppress your weight and be on dieting all the time and like try to like and that's why people get frustrated because they think something's wrong with them. But really, it's like the set point weight range. You you were never meant to be lower than what you what you were. Like, but I like that. This culture has taught us that, no, you could change everything. You could just change it. You
0: well, and something control. I feel like culture also kind of tells you, which like scientifically is debunked, because um, I just had this conversation with my father. Um, and he said to my brother, you need to start looking at food as fuel instead of for serotonin. When scientifically your body releases serotonin every time you eat no matter what. So Thanks. actually, por no los dos, it's fuel and serotonin. Um, and it's just funny because it's like, yeah, you need to look at your, your food is fuel. Don't get joy out of food, you fatty. Uh. Um, but that's actually impossible. It is
1: impossible. It's
0: impossible for your body to not release serotonin when you're eating. It's literally not true. And what's funny is that like, again, now that, I've been like really in tune with what my body craves and stuff, especially cause I work out a lot is like, if I work out and I don't eat a fuck ton of protein before it affects my entire mood. And let me tell you after workout, I will house some hard boiled eggs, like nobody's business and it will bring me joy. Okay. And so it's just funny because it's like, no, we should be finding joy in fuel. We should be finding joy in, in nourishing our bodies and how many ways we can nourish our bodies in different ways um and it's just like i feel like we're in this culture of believing that two things can't exist at once
1: yes and and go, you want to finish no, no, that you, you, go, go, okay. go. no no because go. basically you that's that is one of the main parts of the problem is that there is joy from food, there is culture and family and comfort that you are allowed to get from food. And also like it's funny because diet culture demonizes cultural food. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of cultures are like feel left out, right? Because it's like, well, my food is this and it doesn't sound like it's a diet food. It's like we're supposed to be able to um, nourish ourselves and enjoy ourselves with food. It doesn't mean you have to be all one way... And all another way, and actually, this is a good point for me to bring up intentional. um, How intentional weight loss and the restrict binge cycle is like a pendulum, Mm -hmm. because when you when diets tell you to restrict, you're swinging one way, and you're like restricting, 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 and so diet culture is telling you that's so good, you're going to be a success, but then you're going to get to the point where it has to swing to the other way, and then you're going to binge or be like having crave intense cravings. This is why if we don't find balance. In these things, which is what intuitive eating has is helping me do, and has been helping me do, this is how disordered eating really gets more extreme, and then can turn into a real eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, how do you think orthorexia? You know what orthor- orthorexia is? I don't. <laughs> how do you think orthorexia started? Orthorexia is an eating disorder that I think I don't know when they fully added it to like that the book of diagnoses. I forget DSM. what that the D. Yeah, yeah, DSM. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an obsession with eating healthy. Mm. It's an obsession with like, I can't have these oils. I can't have these things. I have to only have these clean food. You know, like it's that kind of obsession. So it's like, how do you think that that happened? It's literally the direct result of diet culture. vaccine.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just how, you know, I feel like something we haven't touched on yet is how undiagnosed eating disorders go in fat people, how people think oh, fat yes. people can't have eating disorders at all. And it's like an eating disorder is is a disease of the mind. It is not, it does not discriminate between body type. You know, you might get, you know, you might look aesthetically different one way or the other. But what people don't realize is, you know, if you have an eating disorder for a very long time, your body's gonna start storing that fat so that when you are back at a healthy weight you're gonna be bigger because your body has it's like i'm not getting rid of these these fat reserves i don't know when i'm
1: gonna get again yeah i can't trust you to eat yeah and keep me operating at a normal level Mm
0: -hmm. because you know your
1: calories are not just like i don't think what people understand (laughs) that No, you know you need calories for your basic bodily functions.
0: You burn sixty calories a day from breathing, exactly from from yes. breathing alone. Like people don't think about like how, like for your organs to function is burning calories. Yes, existing is burning calories. Living in New York, fucking city, you're working out more than the average bear every fucking day by the ver- fact that you're walking everywhere and. It's like, it, i that's something I really had to, str- I really struggled with with myself was because I found myself without having time to go to the gym. And it was like, okay, but you you walked everywhere today. You walked, you know, 60 blocks today, Gia. <laughs> like,
1: and you probably climbed stairs.
0: Yeah, and you climbed stairs up and down the subway, right? Like, and it's like, but it's like, no, it's not good enough if I didn't get in the gym. Yes. Um, And I just think any movement is good movement. And a good friend of mine, you know who she's kind of also on her own healing journey with her body has really started talking to me about finding joyful movement and mm-hmm. that joyful mo- movement is the movement you want to seek. And that can be anything.
1: Anything and, that makes you feel happy and yeah. good and happy to be there.
0: And if it happens to be like for me, I find joy in picking up heavy things and throwing them down because I'm mm-hmm. a little Italian rage monster, but you know, just because that's something I find joy in doesn't, you know, I don't find joy in yoga. Fuck yoga. No, you won't catch me dead in a yoga class, but I'll pick up heavy things and throw them down all day long. And so I think it's just finding joyful movement has been a really big thing. And I think if you find joyful movement, then, you know, you can find joyful foods too. Like the, the, Clock the feelings, you know, mm-hmm. clock the things that make you happy when they're making you happy, and then repeat them,
1: at least and for me. I 100% agree. And we definitely are going to do an intuitive eating episode. Yeah. We could We could go. movement is yeah. one of the principles of intuitive really? eating. Really? Look yes. at me.
0: See, I've just been listening <laughs> to you say intuitive eating. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, don't I know, know what you don't know. Is. I don't <laughs> I know, know what the fuck you you. it is. Um. But I believe you. I believe in you. I feel Um, like
1: you're hearing from a lot of people different things that are probably a part of because it's starting to be more, you know, in the mm -hmm. mainstream. But I do want to say just a shout out that Noom is not intuitive eating, even though they market themselves that way. So I just need to let everyone know that Noom is garbage. I couldn't even tell you what Noom is. I'm so I'm glad
0: you don't know. I'm glad you don't know. I'm literally going to make some hot some pizza rolls after this episode. (laughs) 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 Pop those babies in the air fryer.
1: Well, and it's so crazy,
0: too. Like, I've been really um, trying to – I watch a lot of cooking shows, right? And, and again, it's like you, you notice people's very subtle comments to you all the time as a fat person. Because I have been getting Imperfect Foods, which is like a food delivery service that combats food waste. Um, and because of that, I've just had more stuff in my fridge. And I because I watch a lot of Master I and I smoke a lot of weed – I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get creative with recipes and blah, blah. And I've been posting my recipes like on my Instagram more. And the amount of people who are like, wow, Gia, you like cook a lot. You like make a lot of stuff. And it's always this, it's the wow factor, right? Yep. It's not, hey, that thing you made looked really good. Can I have the recipe? Now, some people do. Some people are super great. They're like, I want you to cook for me. That looked bomb. But it's always the wow people that I, mm-hmm. that I pay attention to because it's the undercurrent of Fat girl eat vegetables no yeah. <laughs> it, really, yes. it really is yes wow oh yes like I I made fucking sweet potato fries the other night they were bomb yeah um but it's just so there's just so many ways to debunk everything and in my mind, if women started liking themselves and men stopped being creepy, the economy would simply collapse so <laughs> That's, you know,
1: (laughs) pair those two together. You got yourselves a
0: problem, America.
1: (laughs) We're going to start a new economy, bitch. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm going to have to build from scratch.
1: No dieting economy. Women in charge. Suck on it. I mean, it's true. It's like if women start, when women start liking
0: themselves, people hate it. So it's like I want to know who the moles are underground thinking of like, okay, what's a new way we can make them hate themselves so they spend money on useless things? Um, And it's just nuts. And I just, obviously, we're going to keep talking about all this because- it's never ending and again the systems of oppression all tie into fat phobia yeah. and and i think america is a really really good example of just that um, and, and we don't even mm-hmm. we don't even think about that people are so and that i think that's kind of the goal is if we can get people so focused only on achieving this unattainable goal they'll never look at the bigger
1: picture and they don't because look what's happening politically in this country. Oop, oop. Just saying. Yeah. And there it is. <laughs> when you're no, trying to true. take joy away from me with my drag queens, I will come for you. There it is. There it is.
0: Ooh. <laughs> um
1: This no. episode was about diet culture
0: and we of course got to drag queens. Christine loves drag queens. Okay. I can't help it. Shout out to the um did you watch Dungeons and Drag Queens yet?
1: Wait, you what?
0: Dungeons and Drag Queens. It's what Drag is Queens it? playing Dungeons and Dragons. Bitch. Where is it? Where is it? Um, YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll seek it's it fantastic. out. Um, okay, it's a. Oh, I don't even remember any of their names. I'm, I don't remember. It's okay, I'll th- go queens. find it. You're gonna know them all. Anyhow, anyhow. okay. Another plug, a plug on a plug. We've plugged a lot of things on this. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I just think that this is so wrapped into everything. Um, so. If you're listening to this episode today, go eat pasta in a crop top, please. <laughs> please. And take a picture of it and blow it up. Tag us
1: in it, bitch.
0: Tag us in Oh, yes. Take a picture <laughs> of yourself eating pasta in a crop top and tag two fat girls, one mic pod. Please. I beg you. Oh, my you. God.
1: I would live honestly, for seeing that.
0: Honestly, <laughs> yes. I'm going to do it today. Thank God. Well, there won't? we
1: go. I, I know you will. <laughs>
0: I'd have to buy pasta. I have mac and cheese,
1: though. Mm. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I think this is a good mm. This is a good stopping place. point, right? Yeah. We're going to wrap it up. We want to thank everyone for listening. We hope you learned something today. Um, I sure Go
0: did.
1: listen to us all the time, read all these books, and <laughs> yeah, we're going to connect any pasta in a crop top. Hell yeah. We're going to talk to you next time. Okay, <gasps> bye. Bye.